Hi, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies, and we're throwing back to an episode recorded earlier in the year, live from Pause Fest with Stephanie from Vice. Stephanie is a senior strategist at Vice Australia. Um, she leads research and insights for, for Vice um, and works with their um, creative agency internally, so they actually do um, brand work. Had a great conversation with Stephanie about uh, working at Vice. I was really interested. I've been a, a fan of Vice since way back in the days when it was just a free magazine you'd find in clubs and bars. Uh, we had a talk about uh, Vice's approach to work and accommodating the people that, that work there. We started talking about travel. We also jumped in and talked about General Assembly, where Stephanie's done a lot of work um, and about yeah, how to equip young people with modern skills that they need in, in marketing, coding, UX and design. We had a chat about our shared love for travel and how that's changed. So interesting, very little talk here. Stephanie is talking at Pause Fest again this year. Just to recap, we are racing towards Pause. It's only about nine weeks away, I believe now. 5th to the 7th of February, 2020 at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Tickets have gone to the full price now, but they're still ridiculously cheap and such good value for the speakers that have been announced. And there is some incredible speakers. We've got people from Google, Sony, Stephanie from Vice. Some really cool topics around a whole bunch of creative business startup fields. I I keep telling people, if you're not in specifically the creative industry or the startup world, it doesn't mean that this conference isn't for you. PauseFest is for anybody that wants a kick of inspiration and just to hear some new ideas and, and really mingle with some incredible minds. So I highly recommend if you're anywhere in Australia or the world, getting down to Melbourne, 5th to the 7th of Feb, pausefest.com.au. But without further ado, I'm going to jump in with Stephanie from Vice. Enjoy. Hey, and welcome to another Digital Noir Presents podcast live from Pause Fest 2019. I've got Stephanie Winkler here from Vice with me. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm a little nervous. We're presenting in an hour or so um, some findings from our study that we did uh, last year. So, you know, just, just calming the nerves a little bit. I'm, I'm usually warming up with the podcast. asking how the, uh, how the talk went, but in this case, uh, this is the... We'll know, we'll know in a couple of hours. <laughs> if you see me in the bar, then not good or very good. I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. You'll probably be in the bar no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so how long have you been at Vice for? Uh, I've just clocked four years at Vice. So cool. um, it's changed dramatically. It's grown dramatically in that time. Yeah, um, very much so. And so, yeah, I mean, I have a digital marketing, digital advertising background. Um, I've worked as a digital producer on the side as well. So a little bit of everything in the digital sphere. Um and yeah, I joined Vice as a campaign manager, which quickly sort of turned into a strategy role once we started building out, I guess, our offering um, in terms of the work we do with brands and clients and partners and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so it just grew really organically and, um, you know, just using numbers to sort of help um, provide business insights and to, pr- you know, produce work um, that, you know, is getting better and better for clients is basically what I do. So. I'm talking to a few different people from businesses that I suppose have a really good understanding of, of who they're talking to and, and, and tailoring that conversation to, like, you know, just, I hate the word authentic, but, you know, having that authentic voice, right? Mm. Vice is what, since the early days, so I was in the UK for a number of years and, you know, since, you know, the, the magazine would be sitting there on the bar, I think Vice has always managed to, one, feel very localized, like they, they did a good job of distributing teams and making localized content. Mm-hmm. So at, in London, it was, you know, 
local content and then also feeling tailored to its audience, right? Like it, it's always been very good through from the early days of the magazine through to, you know, the media empire it is today. Totally. Having, it feels like it's for me, right? If I, if I turn on... Um, I turn on munchies like it feels like oh this 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 content's actually tailored for me this is the this is the food tv that i always wanted to see but didn't know existed yeah well i mean that's what that's what we try to do um particularly with local content um there are some really awesome stories um that are there to be told and that's why we we set up in australia and we have some amazing creatives in our editorial and video teams um and across the business um and so there's no shortage of good content to make and good stories to tell um and in terms of feel like like feeling like it's tailored you know, to you, that's kind of how I felt as well. That's how I come I wanted to work at the company. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, I picked up the magazine, you know, in a cafe when I was 15 and yeah. then that was it. I was kind of hooked even though it was, you know, largely just stuff coming from our American office. I was like, I want to be a part of whatever's happening here in Australia. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is a really interesting part of what I do as well is sort of helping to understand our audience and the types of things that are, are resonating. Um it sort of goes beyond the numbers a little bit. It's working with the creative teams to a okay. degree to sort of feedback on things that are working and, you know, things, you know, what, like other ways in that we might potentially have. So while it's not a creative role, it's still quite, um, you know, I'm part of that sort of feedback loop, which is, is quite fascinating to me. So, And I'm interested, I suppose, like where, where numbers and I suppose that like unqualitative human element kind of comes in, right? So numbers yeah. are... Like, and I was, I was looking through um, one of the, I think it was the millennials, when millennials spend their money uh, research that, that I think you were involved with. Was that you that were involved? Yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. So that, that was really interesting. Yeah, um, cool. But like having that kind of data is is awesome, right? It's it's awesome. And with that money um, census, it's I, I believe the largest, um, well, particularly youth finance census that's been run in Australia, possibly the largest finance um, census in general in Australia, yeah, um, as far as we believe. Yeah. Um, and it came about because of um, this interest we were getting in any editorial that we produced around money. It just seemed like people in the demographic that we're reaching were just almost like at this complete loss as to like just credible information about what's going on. And yeah. there's there's so much silence around what people are earning and how they're saving and what they're doing and what you know position there is. Maybe it's just a cultural thing. Um, yeah. And it is it is in most places. So I think that was uh, and we we sort of expected to get a couple of thousand people taking part in that survey. And as soon as we put it out there, I think we had. 7,000 or so take the survey within the course of a week. So it just, uh, or or less than a week, which was just blew our minds. Like, you know, we weren't, we weren't expecting it to be picked up so strongly. And I think it just, um, it really reflects that, you know, we did have our finger on the pulse with that one and the findings hopefully could be used to sort of give some, um, give some credible information to young people and equip them with the tools that they need to kind of make sense of the world. So, yeah. And one of the things I think I found with media in general, right? So we've been talking about business a lot today and, and building an authentic business that, you know, I suppose isn't like faking the funk, right? And Vice has always felt like it's had, it's had the, at, on a street level, it's had people's backs and it isn't, you know, trying to be something that's not, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as it's grown, that's probably hard. You know, we've talked about that today and scaling that makes it more difficult. Yeah, there's always a balance. I mean, first and foremost, um, our sort of, I guess our, our rule and our ethos when it comes to sort of working with brands and things like that is that it's just that at the, the content that we produce when we work with brands, we want it to be as good or better than, you know, what, what we would do normally. We want to make, you know, the, the types, tell the types of stories and make the kind of content that we will be making anyway, but we want to do that with, with partners. So 
I think that that's a really good way to look at it. It sort of keeps, you know, the checks and balances about what we're doing and it ensures that, you know, what we're doing is is of amazing quality and it, and for brands and for us as well. What, so. would, like, what would a typical brand engagement look like? Um, I mean, we do everything from, um, you know, like we've, we've worked with the government doing explainers on health stuff. Yeah, I mean, cool. we've worked with, um, with condom brands on providing, like making videos about sexual health and communication and consent. Yeah. Um, you know, done in a style that is really engaging and, and that actually is attractive to young people so that we're delivering this information, which we, you know, thoroughly believe in and we want to put out there into the world as well. Yeah. Um, but in a way that, you know, maybe some brands may not have uh, may not have come to yet or just a bit of a different approach, which I think um, is quite, you know, refreshing at times. Um, I mean, we've done travel documentaries for tourism companies. We've gone to Japan, Seattle, Chicago, um, a bunch of places just in the last six months, India as well. Cool. Um, so, you know, and that, and that travel content stuff is just kind of the, the gold standard. It's fun to make. It's yeah. interesting to watch. Um, and it gets the job done of making people want to travel to these destinations. So I guess it's just, yeah, building those partnerships where it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. And I suppose, I suppose historically, like if you think about I don't know, like a, a commit, like getaway or something like that, right? Totally. Like, like you no, know, I suppose that sort of like spawn con in a way, you know, it would have been right, but mm. it, it, it did. It never had that kind of authentic feel that something like some of the content that's been created by people like Vice these days can have because yeah. of the internet, I suppose. I mean, I, I loved Getaway growing up. I was actually <laughs> sort of doing the comparison the other day and I think it's something in, as far as like making content both for brands and of our own. That's I probably think a good example, yeah. A lot of people, you know, came to Vice through our documentaries and it's because it kind yeah. of gives a lens to really interesting things going on in other parts of the world that we may never get the chance to visit. Yeah. And so most of the people now, um, you know, people um, in my age group, they might have come in through the magazine, people a few years younger have come in through the YouTube channel and documentaries yeah. and, and just putting that lens on the world. So travel is something that I'm really, really proud of the work Vice does, not only, you know, with brands, but just as a long running General, thing ourselves, yeah. it's just, it's our, it's our favorite thing to do. Um, I, sp- I suppose what Vice has been able to do and people like it is like, get, yeah, so getaway was quality content, but it was very, you know, it was, it was for the masses, right? Whereas it, totally. you, where we can actually have one voice and talk to us, you know, talk to Yeah, but I don't think it's overly niche either. I think that most people, I mean, travel's so accessible now. Yeah. Um, and most people are, you know, uh, in, in Australia anyway, are lucky enough to have the opportunity to travel overseas, you know, at some point yeah. um, or, or multiple points in their lives. And so I don't think that, um, you know, whereas it may have been more niche at one point, um, the stuff that we do on Vice, I don't think it is anymore. I think it is just sort of lifting the lid and, you know, everybody wants to travel um, and have, you know, see all the sites and get their Instagram shots and all that sort of thing. But mm. then they also want to go completely off the beaten track and see something that no one's ever seen before. So it's this kind of paradoxical thing that goes on when people look at travel. Um, And it's it's something that we've done sort of quite a bit of digging into. But I think um, giving people a taste of the unusual and a taste of the unknown... um, in an environment that is so saturated with travel is something that these days is is a pretty big, you know, traffic driver for us and a pretty yeah. big engagement driver. It's so. kind of hard to find the off the beaten path these days, right? Like you have to yeah. go, you have to go like, looking for it. You literally, I read something the other day, it's like you're only, you know, on average like 10 clicks away from seeing that beautiful um, overseas beach on Instagram yeah. from, from seeing it on Instagram to actually sitting on the beach you're 10 clicks away you know wow, that's crazy. and I was like that is actually so freaking true yeah. and I'm a bit scared of it like um, travel in itself is just an interesting sort of conundrum I'm not sure what the future is going to hold there but it's, yeah it's actually cha- like I, I 
did a lot of travel in the early 2000s and it was sort of, you know, just well, definitely pre-smartphone. Right? So the, I, had, I had research tools in my feet, but it was once you were in, you know, Morocco or whatever, like yeah. you, were kind of, you had your Lonely Planet and, you know, and maybe an internet cafe, which I would go to. Oh, mate, you had then. like a bag load of shit. You yeah. had like your Lonely Planet yeah. and you had your camera and you had your maps yeah. and then you had all your like foreign currencies that you'd already had yeah. done before you left. Printouts with like handwritten yeah, crazy totally, notes. where you like some, you know, like printouts of how to get to your hostel with like highlighter on them and stuff. I'm like, we were talking the other day, um, Hannah, who I'm presenting with mm. um, shortly at Pause, um, she and I were talking the other day about the fact that you only really need like your passport and your iPhone now. That's you, it. That's it. You could yeah, literally leave the country with those two things and how long is it going to be before the passport is obsolete, you know? Like, you could literally do the entire thing with an iPhone, which is quite bizarre when you think about only in the last 10 years that's really come about. Yeah. So, And it's been a really, really big change. And I, I, don't, I think we're only just starting to sort of really appreciate it. Travelling is one of these things where when I go traveling now, I realize, wow, like it makes life a lot easier, but it's also taken some of that, you know, the, the adventure out of it. So totally. You can find adventure still, but you have to You have harder. to find it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, and actively seek it. Totally. And I think that, I mean, my personal thing for what's going to happen is that, I mean, I feel like the Australian holiday gets overlooked, like by people who live in Australia. Yeah, 100%. Like camping and yeah. caravanning yeah. and shit like that. Like oh, we have the so most good. beautiful, you know, array of places that we can visit here. Yeah. Um, and it sort of seems that a lot of people choose to sort of go overseas, I guess, because that has become so accessible. But then when you look at the environmental impacts of that and, yeah. you know, it, it kind of at some point it will start not stacking up. So I reckon the next thing is going a bit off the beaten track again and, um, you know, getting out there in a tent and seeing Australia. That's that's the trend I'm calling now for Sweet. anyone interested. Oh, I'm, I'm on trend. So Australia long weekend, we went down, based in Adelaide, we went down um, to the southeast, sort of near the Victorian border mm. um, to a place called Canunda National Park. Yep. I've never heard anything about this place before. Pretty much all four-wheel drive to get in yep. and just like the most, like, the most Instagrammable beaches you've ever seen in your life that aren't been, you know, that, that aren't been there yet. And it's and just like, no wow. there's no one there. Yeah, very nobody few people there. there. Literally yeah, nobody there. We did there. the same. We went to uh, Discovery Bay National yeah, cool. Park yeah. on the sort of on the, nearly on the border of South Australia. So yeah, a few yeah. hours away. Yeah, similar kind of coastline. Huge sand, yeah, huge sand dunes. And the only people there apart from us had um, dune buggies because yeah. it's actually like a few kilometres walk to the beach. So we're literally like crossing the Sahara <laughs> Desert, you know. <laughs> trying to get down for a swim so probably not the most well thought out plan but we just could not get over like how few people were there and how few people were camping Um, and you know all the places that we stopped um, you know over the summer it, it you know it gets busy during certain periods but I think that, yeah, it's, it's so easy to get a prepackaged, you yeah. know, holiday now and to just do the highlights reel of, like, what you want a trip to be. Yeah. Um, you can literally book it all online, you know, like, bus door-to-door, everything, stay in an Airbnb that feels just like your own house. And I think that that thirst for, like, discovering new places is still there, but it's kind of being, I don't know, it's kind of being eradicated a little bit or, like, yeah. it's kind of being steamrolled by this, you know by this digital revolution that we're in. It's and there's so much security. My parents that gave us shit when we started backpacking because, you know, they, they did it in the, the 70s. And yeah. sort of, they might have had an early Lonely Planet, but, you know, it was, it was much more intrepid then. It, it's funny thinking how different it is 10 years later. Like, ours was much more intrepid in 2004-05 mm. than it would be in 2014-15. Because, so, you know, we could... 
get lost in Madrid with, you know, shit, I don't even know where we're staying and our passports are there and uh, I don't know what metro stop we're at. It's like, oh, actually, this is actually a really scary situation. But you look back on those things and they're the fun times, right? Exactly. Cra- cra- crawling through the yeah, bushes and getting feeling like you've, you've, you know, you've arrived. You've been, you know, you kind of deserve to be there on the other side yeah, of the world yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> because you've been through a, a relative <laughs> amount of um, hardship to yeah. get there, I suppose. Mm. You know, hardship's a strong word. But yeah. you feel like you've kind of jumped through enough hoops that you deserve to be relative there. And you're, and you're, you're discovering a new experience where if it's, if it's made too easy, it just kind of removes that. So um, I think that, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I'm most proud that Vice does is making really cool travel content that still kind of celebrates that yeah. intrepidness in people and hopefully encourages um, people to sort of get off the beaten track a little bit. Because mm. um, some of the stuff that we have uncovered when we've been overseas, both like editorial stuff and with brands and, you know, tourism companies and airlines and things, it's... It's like unbelievable and you'd really need like a local person to tell you where to find this shit yeah, and it cool. would never be it would never be found unless you know you you had a way in. So Nice. Yeah, it's it's cool. You've got to do a bit of travel and as a part of the role or Um I mean look in within Australia I'm not like heading off on film shoots unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's pretty office based. Um but yeah, I mean like just within our local offices and stuff sure, but um, no, I haven't been dropped on a film shoot in India, Damn. unfortunately. But, you know, there's still time. If anyone's listening at Vice, I'd love to do it. Let's talk, you know. No, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm quite interested that you've sort of been in a, in a digital marketing role for, you know, quite a number of years now. And before it was sort of in Australia in, in particular, like digital marketing, and it still does, gets soaked up in a whole other, you know, bunch of marketing roles, right? Mm, but yeah. Um, there's a real niche around it and there's certain niches within digital itself. What, yeah. what does it take to be a digital marketer in 2019? Um, I think just looking at the big picture and trying to, I guess, occupy that dual role, which Vice has been um, kind enough to let me do, is sort of look at things from a strategic point of view, a creative point of view, and you know, having enough experience on the tools as well to, to know if it's going to work. Um, a lot of marketers and a lot of creatives and a lot of strategists are very sort of, um, you know, one one track. Um, and so I think as our industry develops, um, people who have overlapping skills in any of those departments are, are really, really, really valuable because it means that you can kind of see things on a, on a macro level. Um, yep. And, you know, you're not only sitting there setting up campaigns you're having a say in you know what makes best practice what are people going to like what type of messaging works what kind of creative works you know having a say further up the line um and that makes it you know a more sort of fulfilling role as a marketer as well as being able to sort of go i have the ability to like make this a really good piece of con- you know like it's a collaborative thing um and it just makes a really really good piece of content at the end of the day so yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm... And you do some work at General Assembly? Yeah, um, so I have done a couple of instructing um, sessions with them and I sort of have a bit of an ongoing relationship with them. I think General Assembly is so cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch them speaking earlier today. No, I missed it as well. Um, but I think that they're really revolutionising the education model. Um, a lot of A lot of young people we've spoken to kind of feel a bit disenchanted about their time at university Um, you know around 60% of the young people we've spoken to in our networks um, and through surveys and that sort of thing who've attended universities 
are not 100% sure if it was worth it, yep. you know? Um, and I think that General Assembly, um, and I'm not just, they're not paying me, I'm just giving them an honest plug. Um, I think that they have a really nimble model um, that's really industry focused. And I think that their um, their courses and everything are really highly regarded as well. So yeah. I've seen a lot of people um, go there to sort of upskill or to sort of change track. Um, or, you know, if they're, they're small business owners, owners and they, they want to go in for some digital marketing skills or some analytics skills, it's so easy to become multidisciplinary yeah. when you have resources like that available. And the success rate for, so I think instead of the, the UI UX course, it's like 99%. Totally. Know, uh, yeah. Um, I was reading through some of their, some of their stats um, the other day, I guess just like, you know, the, like the stuff that people are learning and in the amount of time is like phenomenal. Um, and that's the way it should be. It shouldn't mm. be these long, arduous, like multiple year courses just to get some skills, which may be, you know, in the digital world, it's, they may very well be out of date by the time yeah. you're done. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for them. And um, we presented um, something similar to what we're presenting at PAUSE today through General Assembly in Sydney and Melbourne last year. Cool. Um, so, yeah, hopefully more to come in 2019 with those guys. We run a grad program, um, often for marketing students. And yeah, they, they, they literally come, I mean, there's two parts of it, I think, because I think theory still obviously has its place in, in marketing and, and it's good to understand totally. why we're doing things. There's a lot of science to it. There's no you know way around it, particularly in the digital I world. I almost think there needs to be two tracks, in, in, you know, but they come out and have no idea about the tools. So there's no, there's no tools that you need, right? You can't come out and use you know, a business manager on Facebook. Like, well, what's business manager? Well, you know, so mm. there's very little sort of hands-on. Or in, so you said two things, I think, nimble and industry experience. And, mm. and they're the things that once you get out there in the real world are really important. So yeah. I think if you can somehow get some of the higher level thinking and maybe condense that. So you probably don't need to do three years of theory, right? Totally. Um, and, you know, I learned, um, you know, I'm the first one to say that RMIT is an amazing university mm. and they're very industry focused as well. And I loved my time there. But um, when I when I got out, um, you know, it wasn't really, it, nor was it supposed to be like part of the core course material. But I realized how quickly I'm like, shit, like I, I need to learn some stuff about digital marketing. I need yeah. to learn like SEO. I need to learn all this shit because like all of a sudden every job I'm going for. Yeah you know at, the, at that point was kind of that was a bit of a prerequisite so um, you know and again like even though even if you are doing a university course that um, is you know the most broad and amazing and, um, and fulfilling course and it's, it's worth spending your three years there as I firmly believe RMIT was for me mm. you still come out and you're like oh hang on I need to learn a bit of this stuff and I yeah. wish that like so places like, like General yeah. Assembly were around then because I could have just nicked off and done like a you know few weeks in a marketing course and then been up scratch you know so I ended up doing it on like lynda.com right so like uni mm. was sort of like great no I don't really know what I want to do and then once I sort of found that so with web design it's like mm. okay great I can do it online, right? I mean, I think General Assembly would take takes it that one step further because you actually have industry accreditation behind it too. Totally. But nobody was going to hire me in 2005 saying, I, I did a lynda.com course on yeah, HTML. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, oh, cool. I won't keep you too much longer because I know you've got to go head off to your, uh, your tour. What, so what, what's the, uh, the broad synopsis of what you're chatting about today? We are presenting some of the results from our uh, youth census and just some um, trends that we've spotted, um, you know, from, from our entire rooms and reams and reams of data um, from the last couple of years and we're looking at the effect that um, algorithms and living in a pretty algorithm controlled world is having on cultural taste and on our mental health um, okay. which are two sort of areas that we focus on pretty strongly editorially at Vice um, and we've got some sexy numbers to back it up so I think yeah. I have a break and I'm going to come and watch that because it's so really interesting I think and I think 
you know, looking at those numbers and, and thinking, shit, maybe we do need to rethink, you know, how are we actually interacting with some of the, the digital digital technologies that we have. Yeah, it's good to be aware of. Um, I think particularly the impact on mental health Mm. and, you know, the the types of things that we're exposed to, um, you know, just living in a 24-7 news cycle with either too much, you know, of a highlights reel of our friends' lives or too many global catastrophes being rammed down our throats like 24-7. Like, I think it is a really good time to you know, check in on your mental health, mm. take a little break from social media go if need be. Go camping in the southeast of Australia. Go camping in Discovery get Bay. Lost. Get lost in a sand dune. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Get so. bogged on the beach with the high tide coming up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, with dune buggies circling me, the only one without one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, si- it's good for the soul. Some city it's wanker in a jeep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, lovely chatting to you. Yes, uh, thank you. Are you hanging around for the next couple of days? Yes, or? absolutely. Awesome. Well, we'll see you around the place. Thank you. Lovely having you on. Hey, so it's Sam here again. Thanks so much for listening. That was awesome to chat with Stephanie. Hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up again this year at Pause Fest. Again, 5th to the 7th of February. Coming up very fast. I cannot wait. It's going to be a ball. We've got a big contingent from South Australia coming over next year. Um, and we're going to be podcasting again live from the festival. So hopefully see some of you there. Reach out if you've got any questions about it at all. More than happy to chat. And... Uh, Until next podcast, have a great week. See ya.